And it's important that we honour, again, the father of the house, Apostle Mike and, 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 uh, and mum. Just outstanding. You know, it's, it's right for sons to honour their fathers. It's right for sons to honour their fathers. So we do honour you. We love you. We thank you for the legacy. And we value you and honour you by receiving what you, uh, what you bring, what you work for, and, and knitting it into our lives. So we honour that. We thank you so much. And uh, it always gives me great honour to see my dad minister. Uh, when I was younger... Uh, I used, and I still watch him, still listen to him. But when I was younger, uh, I'd sit there and, and, and wonder. So one of the things I did was not just leave it as one day. One of the things I did, and I still continue to do, is started to study and read the Word of God and pray over it and speak it. I would come down here myself and pretend to do what he was doing, pretend I already started to live and prepare for what God had called me to do before I got the opportunity. In fact, a long way before the opportunity, I was already working and preparing. Hallelujah. So it's one. So I want to encourage you today. It's like, do not live your life just hoping that one day God's just all of it going to sudden, I just open the door for you. It doesn't work like that. It works by preparation. David worked in the field. He worked looking after the sheep. He slayed the lion and the bear in his own life. And then God saw him and brought him. He was already preparing. He was already preparing now for your future. So for me, I am preparing now for my future. I need to get around people that are bigger, bolder, louder, sharper, more excellent, stronger than me in order for me to prepare for what God has for me in the future. So the question is, what will you do now to prepare? What have you been doing? What are you doing now to prepare for what God has for you in the future? Have you done anything? Or have you sat there and just make excuses? Oh, I'm not so good at this. I'm not so good. It's not fair. No, 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 no. It took me years, and I used to watch people um, preach way before me, and I used to sit there question, why am I getting a turn? But then at the end of the day, I still continued to work and, and, and study. Then came the day when God called me. So the question is, what do you do now? What will you do now to prepare you for what God has for you? As long as it takes, doesn't really matter because the time is in his hands. He knows when, he knows the right time. The question is, when that time comes, will you be ready? Have you been preaching? And the whole of the New Testament. One of the most powerful questions. And uh, this passage of Scripture is 2 Peter chapter 3. It is, it is Peter, uh, Peter's second book. Uh, is his last chapter, so it is one of the last things he writes. So one of the things we've got to understand is the context of this, that Peter is a man who really did have a good old wrestle with Jesus. He had a, quite the journey with him. He was pulled out as a fisherman, uh, had some uh, amazing experiences. He, 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 uh, he went through some highs, went through some lows. He allowed Jesus to shape him and correct him, even had some pretty robust conversations like, get behind me, Satan. I can tell you now, Having those conversations are very, very tough, but they do something for your soul. They do something for your spirit. It's what fathers do. Fathers love. They don't just treat, but they also speak into the parts of your heart that need to be changed. The question is, will we respond to it? And so Peter went all through this journey. He was somebody who had been fathered by, by Christ and journeyed with him. And then, so there must have been a whole pile of other conversations that took place outside what is recorded in Scripture. So in the context of all that, here we have Peter. He's writing to us. And uh, he's, he's talking about the coming of the Lord or the day of the Lord. And uh, Apostle Mark has been preaching about this. And uh, I, I just want to touch on to it a little bit more. Uh, he, he says in 2 Peter chapter 3, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. And I'm also mixing a couple of other translations in there as well. So 
Beloved friends, this is the second letter that I've written to you in which I have attempted to stir you up and awaken you. Somebody say awaken. Awaken you to a proper mindset, or in other words, awaken your thinking, to shift your thinking, to put your thinking in the right direction. And he says, so never forget both the prophecies that have been spoken by the holy prophets of old and the teaching of our, of our Lord Jesus and Savior and by, the pros- and by the apostles. So in other words, he's saying, this is the same message that has been going on and, and it's revealing and manifesting uh, all the way through, through history. And it says, above all, you must understand that in the last days, mockers will multiply. In the last days, mock- mockers will multiply, chasing or pursuing their own desires. They will say, and I just want to say this, they don't always, people don't always say it outrightly, but they can say it in different ways. They can communicate it with their life. They will say, what about the promise of this coming? In other words, man, we've been hearing about, we've been hearing about this for, since the beginning of time. What about the promise of, of his coming? Our ancestors, well, all these people are long gone. All these people have just born and died, and what's, he still hasn't come. So, Everything is the same now as it was since the beginning of time. In other words, what's changed, really? What's changed? But they conveniently overlooked that from the beginning, the heavens and the earth were created by God's word. He spoke and the dry ground appeared and separated from the waters. And then uh, in verse 7, and now by the same powerful word, the heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for judgment day. So the very same word that the Lord created the heavens and the earth by his word, the heavens are being held back. The heavens are being held back for judgment day when all the ungodly will perish. So dear friends, do not escape, do not let this one thing escape your notice. So he's he's writing, he's, he's really trying to emphasize the point here. Dear, so dear friends, please don't let this one thing escape from your attention. A single day counts like a thousand years in the Lord, and a thousand years counts as one day. That means that contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return. As some measure lateness, as some measure lateness, but rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So one of the things he's talking about there is the reason there is a delay. It's not because he is bored or anything like that. The reason he, he is delayed, the reason he, he delays his coming is, is what we're about to read. There is a purpose, and the, the intent behind his delay, the intent behind things not being fulfilled just yet is because he loves you, and he loves us, and he wants us to change. So one of the things I notice is this. There are things that he wants to manifest There's things that he will manifest that we will see, but there are things that he wants to reveal in our lives, but not yet, because if we entered them right now, there's parts of our life that are not right, that literally won't be able to contain it. There are things that God has for me in this life that I need to be working on now in order for me to to be able to sustain them, because... The moment that I walk into it, if my life is not right, if, I, if, if I, my life is not developed, I won't be able to stand in that day. It's one thing to talk about greatness. It's one thing to be, be able to want to be great. But when greatness comes upon you, you must have developed in the inside of your life. And that's why the Lord delays some things from happening, because we're simply not up to it. Not because he doesn't believe, but it's out of love and affection for us. Because he knows that when we enter that space, it's a difficult space. (laughs) 
And so he goes on to say, uh, he, doesn't want all to per- he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come into repentance. And this is what I want to get on to. In verse 10, for the day of the Lord, somebody say the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will come. He will come. There will come a day where Jesus will return again. There will, da- there will become a day when dad turns up. We often talk about, oh, God's doing this and God's doing that. and God's doing that. There will come a day when he will appear in all his majesty and all his glory. There will be a day the Holy Spirit has been released. There will be a day when Jesus returns. But there will also be, I believe, a day of the coming of the Lord, which is far more powerful than we can ever imagine. Here's what he says. He says this. For the day of the Lord will come and take everyone by surprise. as an uninspected home invasion. The atmosphere, think about this, the atmosphere will be set on fire. We're not just talking about a, a metaphorical fire. We're not talking about an imaginary fire. But I believe he is talking about literally that the atmosphere will be set on fire. Think about what that means. The atmosphere will be set on fire and vanish with a horrific roar. This is our dad. (laughs) Vanish with a horrific roar and the heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, and the stars will melt away as in a tremendous blaze. In other words, all of a sudden, the world, the physical world as we see it, We're not just talking about imaginary stuff. We're talking about the physical world as we see it. At the end of the age, there will be a whoosh and a horrendous roar. And the earth and every, listen to this, the earth and every activity of man will be laid bare. Think about what that means. One day, every one of us is going to experience that. There is a number of experiences in the future that God has. The return of Christ, that's going to be one thing. But I believe there's also going to be a day of the Lord where everything, everything, every work, every intention, everything in the heart of man will be laid bare. In other words, all the offenses, all the things that we carried in our heart that we never needed to, all of a sudden, it's going to be laid bare. All the things that we gave our life to, all the things that we dedicated our life to, all the Facebook posts that we were so caught up in typing that trying to impress everyone, all of that is going to be laid bare. All the conversations that we've had with one another, everything is going to be laid bare. Every activity of man will be laid bare, including woman. You can see how Peter is emphasizing this point. Every activity, when the day of the Lord comes, everything will be laid bare. The atmosphere will catch on fire. There'll be a horrific roar that he says, the horrific roar. The next question, the next line is this. In light of all this, and this is the question, how then ought we live? I believe one of the most powerful questions that you and I can have today. There's a couple of translations. One would be, in the context of all this, what manner 
of people ought we be? What kind of, in other words, your life will be shaped, what kind of life that you live will be reflected on the type of person that you are? So the question for us is, how then ought we live? In the light of everything, how ought we live now? How then should we live? How, what kind of people should we be? Knowing that one day every work, that we, every work of our heart, every uh, intention of our heart, every issue of our, every conversation, everything, everything that we've laid our hand to, everything that we've done in life, that everything will be laid bare. Everything, every material thing, whoosh. In the context of all that, how then ought we live? What a powerful question. What an amazingly powerful question. One of the translations, uh, the King James translation follows this by, by two words. He, he says, how then ought we live, or what, what manner of people ought we be, in two, two aspects. One, he mentions holy conversations, and two, our conduct. Holy, in other words, what manner of people ought we be? How, must, how should we live our life? How should, it, how should we live our life? How should we live our life as a father? How do I live my life as a, as a son of God? How then ought I live my life? And my marriage and my finances and my conversation. And he says specifically the conversations and conduct. Which tells me this, that the way that we speak, I mean, we all know this anyway, but our words, the conversations that we have reflect on what's going on inside of our heart. It's one way that what is in our heart is exposed bare. And our words have substance. When we criticize, when we mock, or when we encourage, either way, there is a substance. Either it puts something, it puts something into the atmosphere which either is destructive or it's building. How then should we hold ourselves? How then ought we live? When I, was, when I was thinking of this, I reflected on my own life. And I, I, I reflect, I, I, look, I like looking at people's lives and seeing how they live. When, when I get around great people, I don't want to just hear the messages. I want to know how they live. How do you live? What do you do? What do you do in your thought life? What do you do inside? What do you do? In how do you live your life? Because I don't want to just take some methods off somebody. I want, to, I want to find out how they live. I want to hear what they talk. I want to hear what's in their heart. I want to see how they treat their wife. I want to see what kind of conversations that they have. I want to see how they conduct themselves. I want to see if they, if they get drunk or whether they hold on to offenses. I want to see how they live their life. That's why I get around people that are bigger than me. I want to see how they live their life. Because if I want to grow, I, I want to be, I want to have something to, ref, to, to, to expose my own way of thinking, my own way of living. Because sometimes we get so caught up with our own, we judge ourselves by ourselves, in other words. We look ourselves in the mirror and say, well, I'm comparing myself to myself, it's time. <laughs> no. It's important to get around bigger people that can see what we can't see, that can help us shift in our, in our, in our, in our lives. 
What kind of people ought we be? And so he says, don't you see how vital it is to live a holy life? We must be consumed. He says, we must be consumed with godliness. In other words, here's what he's saying. Pain of Christ, but also the coming of the, the, day, of, the day of the Lord. How then ought you live your life? So he calls it, he's calling us to reflect on our life. So what is holiness? How do you live in holiness? How do you pursue godliness? Some people can really spin that up a little bit, but here's what I, here's a little thing that you can, that'll help us. How do you, how, how do you pursue godliness? One small key. Just be open to having your life spoken into. It's about being discipled. Who can speak into your life? I'm not just talking about, oh, you're just going to be awesome. You're just going to be just like famous on, you're going to be Instagram. and everything's gonna, gonna have, I can just see you having a million followers over your head. No, no, no. Talking about, actually, there's an insecurity inside of your life. You're pursuing things that you shouldn't be pursuing. And as your pastor, as a father, I'm speaking into you, you don't need to find your security in that. Just that shift alone will bring a degree of holiness into your life. Often, it's just conversations like that. Let's just talk about how you're speaking, how, how you're treating your wife. Let's talk about how you're carrying on, how you're behaving. Let's, talking, let's talk about this. And holiness is done in love. It's not done in... If we truly believe that we are called as a son of God, if I, if I truly believe that I am a loved son of God, then I'll be open to the people he sends to speak into my life. I'll be open to, to respond to change. If somebody tells me, you know, God sends somebody to speak into my life about if I'm too stubborn or something like that, then just respond. That's, to me, in the most simplest form, how you can live a godly life, how you can live a holy life. It's not just being a monk and disappearing and spending 20 hours before the face of the Lord and appearing once or twice. And, no. You can do all that and still be silly. <laughs> it sounds spiritual, it sounds holy, but actually it's pretty self-centered. One of the things I find is this. So many people, and I challenge myself on this, the life that I live, many people, the challenge is this. It's not that we live, or why do people so live so badly? Let me just unpack this for you just a little bit. Why do people so badly? When I say badly, I'm not necessarily meaning wickedly. There's a lot of good people in the world. There's a lot of great people here. Places full of great people. Why do people live so badly? And by that I mean inanely. Inane. It means to be aimless, to be lacking significance, to be silly, to be boring. That is one reason why I like to go and have an adventure. So I don't ever want to get caught in a rut where my life becomes aimless, where it becomes boring, where I stop moving, I've stopped growing, I've stopped developing. I've stopped investing into myself. I've stopped investing into the people. I've stopped taking risks. I've stopped paying prices for things. Boring. 
own boring or stupid, silly. You think about how much time, how much of our energy we can give into things that are silly. It's not necessarily wicked and evil, but it's just inane. It is boring. It is senseless. It is aimless. It has no greater purpose to it. Boring. It's one reason why I'd say yes to a call from a great man of God to say, will you come and stand with me at the front as we, as we declare our freedom over this land? I'm thinking, yes? <laughs> I was talking to Matt Charlton afterwards, and I was thinking, we were working on the roof when I got the question. I got off the phone, and I said, what did I just say yes to? <laughs> Boring. Silly. <laughs> Trivia. You think about how much people, people who on one hand claim a child of God, but yet over here they're involved in silly conversations, small conversations. How many likes have I got? How many posts have I shared? <laughs> That's what I mean by a name. Knowing that you are called to something great, but yet we live our life Small. Here's one way, here's one version says this. What they will do is they will reduce their world into their own senses. In other words, they live just by their senses and reduce everything that God has called them to just down to where, how they feel. So if they feel offended, as opposed to, I am called as a son of God. I am called for greatness. God has put greatness inside of my heart. There is one day that everything that I put my hand to, everything that I meditate on my heart, everything that I've talked about, everything that I've dreamed, everything that I've invested into is gonna be laid bare. One of the things I do not want to be in that place is to have all eyes look on. Knowing all that, you choose to be live silly. Silly, you're involved in silly things. You spent your money on silly things. You got involved in silly, inane conversations. You dreamed about being great, but the problem is you, you reduced your world because of your senses. There are days when I do not feel like doing what, I, I certainly did not feel like doing some things. I was nervous. But something inside of me no, 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 I'm called to bigger than this. I'm called. God has put this to call something out of me. When I feel, uh, when, when people, when men of God or women of God speak into my heart over my behavior and, and things like that, I, don't get, I just can't get offended over things like that because perhaps it's God speaking and saying, I'm calling you to greater things. You need to let go of that. You need to let go of this. Invest this into your life. Have bigger conversations. Don't just talk about how many people are going to come. Talk about how much we can touch the nation. The way people talk about themselves. I listen to how much I, me, and my. People say it subconsciously, but I'm listening. Senses, self-centered. The thing is, most people today, even Christians, live a very self-centered life. People today, even Christians, we, we live second-hand lives. That's why 
People thrive on social media. We look at images that people put up and think, oh, I want to be like that. No, you don't. Every story of faith in Scripture is unique, 100%. The story that God has for you is unique, 100%. There's not going to be another you. You are you. God has created you uniquely. He's put things inside of you. Let's not be satisfied to live Second-hand Christian lives. Looking and comparing what others are doing. Spending all the time on social media, watching what's happening and wish we could be like them and, and trying to pretend that we're living a life. The bottom line is this. <laughs> Love that. It's definitely good. In spite of all your wonderful posts that have been doctored up, still haven't done anything. Still living a boring life, just trying to create the impression that your life is exciting. It's, it's not. Do something. Just get out there and do something. Take a few risks. Invest into yourself. Learn an instrument. Do something. We are called to beautify the world. We are called to walk in righteousness, to walk in holiness, to, to discover the goodness, to discover more of the gold that God has put inside of our lives. We are called as sons and daughters of God. To live a big life means that we have big conversations. Inanely means to be aimless. In other words, there's no set, there's, there's nothing, no, no vision that we have in our heart that we are setting our life towards. In other words, we, we lose, if we lose sight of eternity, if we lose sight of the day of the Lord, if we lose sight of one day that we stand before God, if we lose sight of one day, our body will cease. Our body will go to the ground or get, get cremated. One day we will enter into an eternity. That is why Apostle Mark has been preaching on this because the moment that we start living our lives in this way, in this manner, everything else changes. In this society, what happens is, this is what happens with, people, with, with many of us, is the, the trajectory line can go out, but it's got a curve in it. And then the curve keeps him coming around. Back to me again. And this is what a devil often wants to do. We've got good intentions. You'll hear the messages. You've heard three weeks of powerful messages. But what's going to change? What will change? Will the trajectory of your life, will the decisions, will your conversations still eventually come back to you? Or will the conversations with our, with our conduct, with the way what we set our life upon, remain fixed on eternity? The Bible says that they, these people of old loved their lives not unto death. They had their eyes fixed on something else. In other words, death, social media fame had no effect on them at all. Obviously, it wasn't there, but the point being is this. If we live our life aimlessly, people want to be great, but the bottom line, it sounds good, but actually it's still all about you. <laughs> I want to build a big church. Sounds good, but actually if we follow the aim, is it really about building a big church? Is it more about my ego? It was actually just to stop trying to impress people, to set his eyes upon what God has called him to do. 
the hunger, man, these are one of the things that I do. I got, I got, I, I got to bed at 3 o'clock this morning. Why? Because I'm hungry to grow. I left Auckland late last night. Why it's not, the point behind it was this, is this. I, wanna, I want my life to grow. I want my life to be bigger. I don't want to be self-centered. I want, my, I want to become all God's called me to be. I'm gonna, I'll be hungry for it. I don't want to live a boring and aimless life. Those who live their lives in the pursuit of holiness with their heart directed to the day of the Lord. That's how I want to live my life. Not just by what I feel. I'm called to run against horses. You are too. I preached the other Sunday. You are called to run against horses. You are called to compete against things that are much stronger than you. Much stronger. It's what you're called to. That's what we're called to. But when we get caught up in stupid little conversations, stupid ideas, self-centered attitudes, get caught, tripped up, running with mere footmen. While our focus is on ourselves, our own fame or our own popularity, there is an enemy working to steal the hearts of our children and our legacy. It's not for me, it's not about building a big church. So people can say, How oh, you're awesome. No. No, it's so that we can have one, that we can have a voice, but two, that we create an environment, a family, that we set something different, that we create a, a model, we create a space where, where, where life is lived different here, that we live our lives with purpose, that we live our life not according to our senses, but we live our lives according to holiness and what we're called to. We want to create a family where people are cultivated, where people are shaped, where people are growing, where people are called to become all they are called to be, where self-centeredness is shut down, but actually put people are called to a bigger life than that. We'll create an environment where people's hearts and eyes get fixed on eternity, not their own awesomeness. <laughs> I call you now to live your life now for we are you are going to in the future. Live your life now as what God has called you to live in the future. Don't wait for that to come. Live it now. Live a big life now. Live your, with your eyes fixed on eternity. Maybe you're here today. Actually, you've reduced. You have just reduced. Maybe you've just got a life that actually you are not walking as the man and the woman that God has called you to be. You know in your heart that there is greatness there. You know in your heart but actually inside you have reduced. You're not praying as much as you used to. You're more critical than you are positive. You're thinking about yourself, but as opposed to thinking about others. You think I instead of we. All of those are signs of smallness. People, I don't want to reduce. 
I want my life to keep growing and bigger and stronger. I want to beautify the world around me. I want to cleanse the life inside of me. I want to be all that God has. I want my life to echo to eternity. I want to be able to stand at the day and that when my life has unfolded to say, you lived a good life, a life that's honorable, a life that's holy. You and I are called as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Let's live according to how we are called. Let's live our life with the awareness that one day everything is going to be laid bare. Maybe you're here today and you're having conversations that you know you shouldn't be. They're just small conversations. In the the scope of eternity and the scope of the day of the Lord, actually they're pretty pretty pitiful conversations. Oh, Pastor Dave's not listening to me. (laughs) Come on. Music's just a little bit loud. Oh, come on. Bible just, just said it. When the day of the Lord comes, there's going to be a horrendous roar. Somebody that be there. Oh, it's a little bit loud. I'm not quite sure if I like the style of roar that you're doing. Sounds a little bit of mo- sounds like a little bit of hype to me. to my thinking. How can I get 500 people to church? Really? How can we have 500 churches? <laughs> One of my best friends sent me a text last week. He just said, just, this is just what the line said. He says, dream big, then double it. How much have you reduced in your thinking? One of the things I've just, again, I'm pretty well done, but let's not reduce. Maybe you're here. Let's just stand up and do our feet. Are you hungry this morning? Come on, are you hungry this morning? God has called you to live a big life, far bigger than what you could ever imagine. I never thought I would stand before presidents and speak to nations before, but I have, and I'm going to do it again. You are called to greatness, far bigger than you're what you could imagine. Traylon, Traylon, where are you? I don't know if you're here, Traylon. You're called to greatness, man. God has seen your heart of faith. God has seen your faithfulness. God has seen the stands that you have made in your internal life. God has seen the decisions to stand up and pray. God has seen your decision to stand up and to respond to His calling inside of your life. I want to encourage you, sir, be strong. Be strong. Great man of God. Someone else. Where's your brother? There you are. Sorry, I couldn't see in the light. You, God has seen the decisions that you have made in your heart too. I want to encourage you, do not reduce. There'll be people around you that want to pull you back and cause you to think smaller and to call back into a little hole. Don't you get back in their hole. You are a good man. You're a good man. You've got a good heart. You've got a soft heart. 
for you're a good man. God has called you to greatness. All of you, every young person here, I prophesy greatness over your life. I call you to be who God has called you to be. Do not get caught up with the smut that the young people around you try and bring into your life. Do not get caught into that. You are called to live a holy and a righteous and a powerful life. Don't get caught into small conversations. Maybe you're here today and you're a little bit more mature in your years. <laughs> Don't you start reducing. My Bible says that the old men and old, I guess it's old woman too, will dream dreams. Start dreaming again. Start believing again. Come on, let's worship Him tonight, this morning. Come on, let's big voice. Come on, let's sing it this morning. Come on, open up your mouth. You've got to open up your mouth somewhere. Yes. And your children. Come on, let's worship them tonight. Be upon you. I want to ask you this morning, if you've made a decision in your heart, as I was speaking, you know in your heart that you have withdrawn, that you have, you have reduced. Why don't you make a decision? So you could just come out the front, you could say, oh, I've reduced in my thinking, my conversations have reduced. Everything inside of me is reduced. Today, I'm going to make a decision to step forward. I'm going to pursue holiness. I'm going to pursue godliness. I'm going to pursue what it means to be a disciple of Christ. I want my life to be made whole. I want my conversations. I want to, I want to be healed. I want to be made whole. I want to get set free. I want to discover what God has called me to be and become. Why don't you make a decision to get out of your seat? Come to the front here this morning. Come on. Singers. thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your Holy Spirit calling us onward and upward today. Holy Spirit, today we respond to you. We respond to you today. Lord, I pray that you would speak into our hearts today where we have withdrawn, where we have reduced, where we are more consumed with ourselves, we are more consumed with our own feelings. Help us, Holy Spirit, bring revelation into our lives today of what you have for us in eternity. I pray today for your people. I pray today for your sons and your daughters. I pray that every one of us will call, that we would live as we are called, that we would live 
as royal sons and daughters, that we, are, we would live in prosperity. We would live at the head of the table, not at the, ta- not at the tail. Lord, that we will be seated in heavenly places today. Help us to live as we are called in the name of Jesus. I speak a blessing over every household here today. For those that are watching online, I speak blessing over your life. I call you to be the man and the woman, the son, the daughter that God has for you. And all God's people said, all God's people said, I bless you today. Don't forget next Sunday, Pastor Michael Nicholas. Let's worship one more time.